This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This week on Hangar Talk, Hartzell Propeller spins up for a new owner. And the FAA proposes a rudder AD for ragwing pipers. The big NBAA shows going on in Vegas will bring you the latest. And as expected, the EPA comes out with a final ruling on leaded aviation fuel. All right, David, you ready to do some Hangar Talk? Let's do it, Ian. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. The 1056 turn right heading 130, contact final 132.4. Turn right, sky back. With your hosts, Ian Twombly and David Tulitz. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tulis. David, our guest is Brian Baumler. Right. Brian is a cool dude that you got to fly with, which in and of itself is neat enough, but you got to do it in the Bahamas. We did. HGTV star Brian Baumler. He flies a Cessna 172 that we'll hear about. It has a name, Cindy. stands for Cinderella. Nice. He, yeah, he recently bought a Republic CB. So that's kind of cool. So he's you a know. glutton for punishment. Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. So we'll hear about that. And also tip of the hat to Julie Walker, who, who got Brian to sit down. And he, if you know him or if you've seen him on HGTV on Renovation Island or the other shows, he's hard to pin down. But he's a great guy and a really capable pilot. Cool. All right. So we'll hear about that a little bit later on. First, the news. We're going to start with Hartzell Propeller. I think really has surprised a lot of people is that Hartzell Propeller and actually Hartzell Technologies, family owned for decades, has been sold to a private equity firm called Arcline Investment Management. Right. And the deal's expected to close within the next 30 days or so. So by the time y'all hear this on Hangar Talk, it'll be about, you know, three weeks left on that timetable. Mm-hmm. But that caught us by surprising because the Browns have been really involved with backcountry flying, yeah. with seminars at during EAA Air Venture. Yeah, the Proficiency Center. Right, the Proficiency Center uh, and elsewhere. And it's been in the family, like you said, for 40 years. So yeah. uh, a change in direction for them, perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. And I know Joe's always, you know, that he's interested in kind of the business side and exploring new possibilities. They, you know, purchased the company down in Alabama a couple of years ago, which became Hartzell Engine Tech and starters, turbochargers, that sort of thing. That also goes along with the deal. We went out actually to Hartzell a couple of years ago. We did a craftsmanship on them and mm-hmm. uh, it was fascinating. I mean, the seeing the way that they build propellers, both the metal and the composite, it really opened my eyes. And uh, honestly, to the history of the company too, they've been around really for their, their history dates back over 100 years. Yeah, the hard cell propellers are on a lot of models. Uh, my Moonies had hard cell propellers on them. And I think they're the go-to for a lot of, you know, constant speed propellers. And yeah. from single engines and twins on turbines on up. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we'll have to see what goes on with that. Thanks to Tom Haynes for coming in out of retirement and writing a little story about that. Yeah. 
That's right. Hopefully, it doesn't mean, you know, uh, you always wonder a little bit with private equity. Hopefully, it's not going to mean, you know, higher prices and less service. Right. Or a change in trajectory. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So they say their values are aligned and we'll, uh, we'll hold them to that. All right. So, David, an AD that's going to be close to your heart because it affects oh, your beloved airplane. And that is, well, we should say a proposed AD, NPRM, right. has come All out right. on these uh, Piper rudder posts. Say that five times fast. With some dramatic pictures because they've really, uh, on a couple models, they've bent in half, really. Yeah. Now, this is the rudder itself, the, the mechanism that actually moves, not the vertical stabilizer. But it did happen on a couple of aircraft. The aircraft that had the bent over rudders typically had a um, rotating beacon on top of the rudder. Hmm. And then it happens to mount on top of what you call the rudder post, a, a vertical post. And the idea is that there's probably been some corrosion over the years that has trickled down through that post. And the original posts were made of a different type of steel than what we're using today. It's a, you know, more commonly now we're using 4130 low alloy steel. And back in the day, it was 1025 carbon steel. Hmm. So there were some concerns after um, a PA-12 and a PA-14 had a rudder top bent over. We should add that both pilots were able to land successfully. That was fine. Yep. I'm a member of the uh, Short Wing Piper Club and, and cruise the forums occasionally, and I can tell you that there have this been— It's a big issue for them, I bet. It's a huge issue for any kind of ragwing piper, and we'll go into the particular models and what you have to do, but there have been other— there have been other incidents that were not addressed in this proposed ruling by the FAA, hmm. a handful of others. But usually with higher performing engines, and I was just wondering if maybe the slipstream was you know, more affecting the rudder back there because yeah, they're, they're huge honking the rudder. rudders. Yeah, they're big, big old rudders yeah. on these aircraft. But yeah, so complicated AD and, and the bottom line for someone who owns a Piper Pacer, Tri-Pacer J3, Super Cub, and, and a litany of other aircraft is that there are repairs that you must make to the rudder at this point, a proposed AD. Yep. Comments are open until when, Ian? Yeah, so this came out end of September, so comments, I think they said they're open 45 days after when it was issued, so that's until about mid-November, and as we've said many times, the FAA does have to take those comments into account, so right. take the time, go in there. Take a look, yeah. and, and we're going to give you some more details on, on this, too. And I'm also wondering if there's an alternate method of compliance, Ian. Yeah. Like in my case, a Piper PA-22 with a 135-horsepower engine, the entire aircraft was taken down to bare metal and built back up. I have photos of the, the museum that restored this aircraft, and they they stripped and powder-coated and put linseed oil inside the tubes hmm. uh, to limit uh, corrosion. So with that in mind, you know, I wonder if an alternate method of compliance might be that if some owners have rebuilt their aircraft— In recent years, yeah. —and have documented it, I wonder if that might alleviate this. So we'll see. Yeah, that that's interesting. And maybe, yeah, through the through that approval process, you could bring that up. In fact, you should comment and say, hey, my airplane's been gone through. I don't need to do this. I think I will. Yeah. That's a good point. But le yeah. let's talk about some of those because, obviously, with these airplanes that are a little bit older, there's lots of variation in both specific models and in engines. And right. so you mentioned the J3. It's actually— to be a little more specific, it's as the first category, and and you brought this up, and it's great to read through the NPRM, and please do it if you have a, an older Piper. Based on what kind of engine you have, what kind of model is going to determine, at least in the proposal, how long you have to comply with this. And in, right now, the only compliance is a new rudder, which 
Yeah, not not a small job. No. So the first is the various J3 models, which they call a Category 1. However, it's airplanes having both a rudder post-mounted beacon light and a 150 or greater horse engine, which is probably not that many J3s, I'd guess. Right, and then the compliance time for that, Ian, is within two years after the effective date of the AD. Yep. So the next is uh, the J4s uh, and PA11s. Those are Category 2s. Those are airplanes having either a rudder post-mounted beacon light or a 150 or greater horsepower engine, and that one's three years. That's right, within three years after the effective date of the AD. And for the slew of other aircraft, yeah. <laughs> mine included, those are Category 3 airplanes. All other airplanes not in Category 1 or 2 that do not have a rudder post-mounted beacon light and have an engine less than 150 horsepower installed, the compliance time is within five years after the effective date of the AD. Yeah. And in, and in my case, the PA-22-135, it's a 135 horsepower engine, and I do not have a beacon on the rudder post. Hmm. Yeah, and harking back to what we've harped on a little bit with some of these recent ADs is, you know, they estimate the costs, and of course it's way oh, under. Oh, Lord. I mean, 85 bucks an hour, good luck. Eight hours, they say, at 85 bucks an hour, 680 in labor, and 2300 in parts cost for a $3,000 cost per rudder. Eh. I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to guess $5,000 yeah. is what that's going to cost. Now, listen, Ian, a couple of folks on the Shortwing Piper forums have been thinking about, is there a way to test the metal hmm, yeah. if you don't know if you have, you know, one one type of metal versus the other. And that will be interesting. There is there a non-destructive test that would allow you to determine do you have 1025 carbon steel or the newer 4130 low alloy steel. Yeah. By the way, most rudder posts and, and, in effect, most tubing that's sold in the last few years is of the 4130 low alloy steel that is not affected by this. Hmm. Okay. So uh, if folks have, have bought something from Univair or you know, another uh, manufacturer that has remanufactured a part uh, and made it available, then the likelihood is that you have the newer steel and this will not apply. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Well, I got my fingers crossed for you, David. Thank to, you. Uh, <laughs> Throw in that comment, get that AMOC, you know, get it approved uh, now so uh, you can say, hey, I've been there, done that. We're all good to go. I like it. And we'll be right back. All right. So that's, I, I love the transition because that's like one end of the flying spectrum, right? Old Ragwing Piper. Yes, it is. All the way to the other end, which is NBAA. It's going on as we record this, just wrapping up. All right. There's been a bit of news out of the show, and we're just going to cover it real quick. We'll kind of go rapid fire. The first is Embraer, which they basically announced an upgrade to the uh, Phenom 100. Not surprisingly, it's been a couple of years since they've done that, so they got to keep that product fresh. They're talking some panel improvements, a couple of interior improvements, nothing huge there. Although as part of it, they did talk about auto throttles for the new Phenom 300 ES, right. which I think is going to be a big winner for that crowd. So that's what's new for Embraer. And Textron was out of the box with a couple of mock-ups of the Cessna Citation Ascend and the Citation CJ3 Gen 2, Generation 2. And as you could expect, they're looking at flight deck enhancements and upgraded cabin experiences on those aircraft. 
So we'll see what's going on with Textron. They're not letting grass grow under their feet. On the other side of the realm, they've been moving ahead with some interesting single-engine turbines and twin-engine turbines for the package giant FedEx, too. Yeah. That's right. And uh, we want to give a nod, actually, to Tom Haynes. You mentioned him a minute ago, David. Still doing work for us on occasion, balancing that in retirement. But NBAA, we brought him out to the show, surprised him, uh, NBAA did, with the David Ewald Platinum Wing Award. That's their big one for journalists every year. Very deserving, obviously. A lifetime award. Yeah, that's right. Congrats, Tom. Yep. He said, uh, and I, I, this just goes to show how long he was in the business, he said, He's particularly pleased that it's an award named after Dave Ewald, who I knew from day one when I started at ProPilot Magazine. He was one of the ones who welcomed into the into the industry. So very well deserved. Interesting. And uh, four flight subscribers. Listen, Ian, this is four flight subscribers that are corporate subscribers for corporate flight departments. But interestingly, they will be able to get detailed engine out instructions and view them on a 3D map. This is kind of interesting. Cool. I think it's a yeah, it's a big safety jump for, for folks who are at the top level of, of the four-flight world. Dave Hirschman wrote about this a little bit. And I'm not sure how long it's going to take to trickle down into my little world. But, you know, Boeing bought into four-flight a number of years ago, and you can tell that they're still moving ahead. These type of uh, experiences are, are probably super important to not only corporate but airline and military aviation. Yeah, that's a good point. Bombardier also showed off its new EcoJet prototype, which is a blended wing body design. Uh, the goal is part of their project to reduce emissions by 50% through aerodynamics, propulsions, other things. They're flying this thing around North America, actually. It's, it's essentially, at this point, a UAS. It looks like a big uh, RC. It's very cool looking, actually. So this is, I, I really, I, this is really neat. I like this because it's, you know, big car shows, the big auto shows always have cool concept cars, you know? Yeah. So it's neat to see that stuff out of Bombardier and uh, cool to have it at the show. And speaking of being at the show and cool stuff, Honda Aircraft kicked off the NBAA by announcing that they were going to have the Honda Jet Echelon be a transcontinental aircraft. And this is something that had been sort of rumored for a while. They, they released uh, some details on it a while back, but the company unveiled a mock-up of the concept at, at NBAA in 2021 and also again here this year in Las Vegas. So since 2021, they've been making steady progress, Tom Haynes writes. Mm -hmm. And this aircraft is projected to be a single pilot jet, which can carry up to 11 people, passengers and crew. And uh, Honda announced it would move forward with the production of the aircraft. So that is interesting. It looks like it still has the signature Honda wing pod mounted jet engine configuration. Awesome. And and Tom Haynes has flown Honda jets, and I've actually mm -hmm. flown in a Honda jet with Tom. Yeah. So he's got good experience with that and has been close to that company uh, ever since they announced their first Honda jet. Hmm. Nice. Cool. And just to finish it off, actually, where NBAA started, which is the Honeywell Outlook. This is always something that's nice to talk about. It's kind of a snapshot of their forecast over the next few years. It looks good. They're talking about 8,500 biz jets between, produced from 2024 to 2033, um, an estimate of $278 billion. It's about last year's forecast, higher than the 2019 forecast, which uh, I think is really important to know, David. 
It is, Ian. You know, we've talked about this numerous times because COVID slowed things down quite a lot. But it looks like the industry in 2020 prepared for a steep drop in demand. But it didn't happen, as we've mentioned before on Hangar Talk. Mm-hmm. The demand stayed strong, and now they're catching up. So yeah. that's that's good moving ahead. And, you know, those high-end aircraft are going to push those end-of-the-year gamma numbers pretty high, too. Yeah. So with yeah. sales. Interesting. Yeah. So, th- so that segment of the industry seems to be, forgive the pun, still taking off. Oh, good. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, David, we're going to... Finish with the EPA. Chances are you've probably seen this or read about it. We're just going to, I think, give folks a rundown of why it matters, what it means, what it doesn't mean. So to back up a little bit, we've teased that this was going to happen. It has happened. The EPA has come out uh, with an endangerment finding for Avgas. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean when the EPA has an endangerment finding? David, take it away. What does it mean? So one thing to keep in mind, Ian, is that the EPA cannot tell the FAA what to put in or leave out of your of your fuel. Yeah. And what it really means is that we've been moving ahead and working towards a lead-free solution for the entire piston fleet for a number of years because we knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think what's important is to re- to remember is that with the final determination, the EPA now becomes subject to a duty to propose regulatory standards for lead emissions from aircraft engines, yeah. but not how to do it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a big key. Right, and yeah. fuel will not be, avgas will not be going away anytime in the future, although we do have a deadline for 2030 yeah. moving, towards, moving towards that. Yeah, this was a really interesting part of the announcement that the EPA made. I mean, I think we all knew this was coming, uh, like we said, but it, it just goes to show how much work is being done in the background and how EPA is not acting alone, which is obviously very important. You know, that sentence you just read was from their own website, their own press release as part of this. They go on to say the FAA is also now subject to a duty to prescribe standards for the composition or chemical or physical properties of aircraft fuel to control or eliminate aircraft lead emissions. We know they're working on. As EPA develops proposed emission standards, it will consult with FAA and use the public rulemaking processes that include notice and comment and an opportunity for a public hearing. EPA and FAA are committed to working together and with the full range of stakeholders to address this issue. So that's all really key stuff there. So they're saying... It is. Yeah, they're not going to act alone. They're working with FAA. They're working with AOPA and others. Super, super important there, I think. Yeah, let me read one more uh, sentence or two from um, Lillian's story that's on AOPA.org. And she kind of breaks it down. I think this is important for listeners to remember and not to panic. Please do not panic. Uh, The finding puts into motion a multi-year, multi-step regulatory rulemaking process from the EPA and the FAA, but should have no immediate impact on the availability of 100 low lead at airports, as the EPA is not given the authority to ban, regulate, or limit aviation fuel. So the finding does reiterate the need for what the industry is already working towards, which is a safe and smart transition to an unleaded future. To that extent, AOPA has been involved in the EGLE initiative starting in February of 2022. I helped cover that. In EGLE, what does that mean? It's the Eliminate Aviation Gasoline Lead Emissions 
Initiative, E-A-G-L-E. Yep. And it's a public-private partnership. Now, this is really interesting, Ian, because I want folks to re- realize that it's not just one side of the industry and, and not the other side. It's a yeah. public-private partnership uh, with all sides moving forward to get to the common goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when you when you step back from this just a little bit, it's pretty impressive the relationships that have been solidified behind the scenes to be able to make this happen. Because, I mean, the FAA, they're our regulator, right? And regulator. so to have the regulator yeah. work so closely with industry to towards the same goal. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? We should all be, they shouldn't be doing things without input because they has, it's going to have all these, you know, unintended consequences. We see that all the time. And so this is, I mean, I think it's a positive process. We'll see kind of what they come up with out of that process. One thing that you mentioned that I just want to like make sure that it's abundantly clear, and that is that airports should not stop selling 100 low lead. So if your Correct. airport holds this up, holds this EPA endangerment finding up to as a reason to stop selling 100 low lead, thinking they can't do it anymore, or there's going to be pressure for them not to do it anymore. It's like definitely reach out uh, to AOPA because that is not the case. That should not be happening. If you see local news reports, make sure to rebut them because it's just not the case. This is just, as you said, one step in a very long process, very deliberate process that will lead to the elimination of from the fuel. I am so glad that you reiterated that, Ian. That makes total sense. And yeah, folks who are regular listeners, do keep your ears to the ground like Ian suggests and let our folks know if you hear about anything like that. Because there are more than 220,000 GA aircraft in the United States, and we need to all move together for a better future. Yep. Amen. All right. David, hey, Brian Baumler, we're going to bring him on. He's going to talk a little bit about his flying, how he got into it, and what it's like flying around the Bahamas. I'm Brian Baumler, and we're here at the Cerula Mar Club in uh, the Bahamas on the island of South Andros, and uh, we are here at our hotel that I flew to yesterday from my home in Florida. This was a passion project for us. It was a property we found traveling through the Bahamas in an island we fell in love with, and it was a hotel that fell into disrepair and and was abandoned for uh, 12 to 13 years. We had a five-minute window where we made a decision to purchase the hotel, put an offer in, and really to pack up our lives and our children and move to this island for three or four years in order to renovate the hotel and bring it back to life. We've been producing television shows for Home and Garden Network for about 20 years now. So built, built a few houses, finished a few basements, laid a few tiles, built a few decks, uh, and a hotel. The original show that we filmed renovating the hotel was called Island of Brian in Canada, uh, and it was renamed Renovation Island for broadcast in the U.S. and, and around the world in, in 151 different countries. We started the renovations and it it took about two and a half years to get ready for completion opening day, hiring staff and training. And our grand opening uh, night was a huge success and we were booked fully for five or six months. And then it was announced that uh, there there was a pandemic and international travel was banned. If you left the island, you weren't coming back. We couldn't travel between islands. So we made the decision to stay here with our family. And we spent seven months here at a fully renovated, fully stocked kitchen 
fridge, freezer, bars with our chef and his wife and children. And it was the most expensive, most unexpected, most incredible seven months of our lives. I think timing-wise, when the show started airing in the United States, uh, it was in the midst of the pandemic. And I thought a lot of people were looking for escapism. They were looking, you know, while, while not able to travel as, as easily or as, as, as readily as they had been, they were looking to travel mentally. Aviation was always in my, my blood when I was younger, you know, too busy running around uh, chasing dreams and chasing girls and then working and then building a business and having a family. And finally, the pandemic for me pressed pause on time. You know, I had some experience and always wanted to do this to, to finish my pilot's license and purchase an aircraft for utility, of course, to get from home to work and back and uh, travel back and forth to the island. It's been a very, uh, I think, life-changing moment for me and, and the freedom it's opened up. I compare it to uh, being 12 when I, you know, was first handed a bicycle and, you know, mom and dad said, you're free, go around the block, you know, go off on your own. So it's that an incredible new, newfound freedom and utility, to be honest, at some point. It's, it's, a big, it's a big cost saver for us. Being able to fly ourselves back and forth has been a big impact for us. Uh, you know, to fly commercially is four or 500 U.S. per person per seat each way. Uh, so you're, you're $3,000 plus just to travel back and forth. With the 172, which is, is not the fastest airplane, it's not the most ideal airplane for, for traveling across expanses of, of water, but I have, I have a system for that. Uh, I certainly have the glide range for it with, with the proper altitude. But I, my return flight costs for four people are just over $200, including maintenance reserves. The Bahamas is so accessible you know, and depending on the aircraft you're in, you're anywhere from, you know, 45 minutes to two hours from South Florida, and you're on the island at the hotel relaxing. So it's so accessible, so easy to get to. If you've got access to that mode of transport, that aircraft, and you have the freedom, you can literally be, you know, at home and two hours later dipping your toes in the in the waters of the Bahamas on the beach. Flying into South Andros is quite easy. Uh, you know, for us, it's... Uh, uh, nearby Palm Beach, it's a direct shot into Congo Town or uh, Mike Yankee Alpha Kilo is the identifier. Uh, it's a 5,700-foot paved runway. The challenge on Andros is that we do not have fuel service. We used to have fuel on North Andros. We don't anymore, so we're working on solutions for that as well. We're also looking at partnering with the local aviation authority and possibly putting in a small FBO with some services and, and jet A and, and uh, avgas as well. I love people, I love meeting people, talking to people, helping them solve their problems at home and building and construction and, and now aviation and, and so many other things that we're involved in. But I certainly need to offset that with some quiet time to recharge the batteries. I'll go burn some avgas and just listen to some music and, and, and look at the sights. I'll, I'll fly around Lake Okeechobee or down to the Keys or to the Bahamas and back or just explore the west side of, of Andros Island from the air. And for me, that is you know, the ultimate battery charger. Coming to South Andros is not like going to Nassau. It's not like going to uh, Miami Beach. Uh, it, it, it is experiencing the culture of the island. It's meeting the people. It's going to the, the restaurants that are someone's auntie's backyard. It is coming to the hotel is a, is a five-star experience. Uh, you know, you're, you're greeted here. We have all the amenities that you would want as a guest. Mostly, though, what you're going to experience is almost 100 miles of untouched beaches. There's no race in the morning to find a pool chair. There are endless expanses of, of ocean to explore and reefs to explore. 
very little boat traffic. The fishing is incredible. What you'll find here is that that really comfortable home, incredible food, lots of activities, great people, and silence and peace and nature. There's some great excursions here. You can ride your bikes down and, and just sit at some of the local bars and, and have a, a mango rattler if, you, if you'd like and, and just chat with some of the locals and actually get to meet and experience people in a different culture, you know, while, while being safe and comfortable. So the CB, you know, he didn't really talk about it much, but uh, the CB is, uh, I say he's a glutton for punishment because, man, old airplane, parts hard to get, uh, you got to worry about corrosion and everything else. So you got to love it. You got to really want it, I think, to go in on on one of those. Well, you know what? Well, I think that he was, um, I think his thought process was, first of all, the Cessna 172 that he has I want to say it's a it's a late '70s mm. version, mm-hmm. you like know, an M or something. Yeah, yeah, and really nice. And so the reason why it's called Cindy, for, it stands for Cinderella. He bought the aircraft used, and it had a newer engine in it. And so he was, um, you know, he leaned on his flight instructor and some, really some good advice from from a close friend that said, "Look, get an airplane with a good engine, yeah. and then you could repaint it. You could put new interior in it. You could put avionics in it later." And so that's what Brian did. That's how he does his properties on HGTV. That is how he did the uh, renovation island, the the, the Cerrillo Mar property down in um, the Bahamas that we went to in Andrus. So yeah, I think that uh, that it, he he might be a glutton for punishment on on one <laughs> end, uh, but he loves that Cessna 172. He flies when it's VFR weather, when it's not VFR weather, because people might have this question: if it's not VFR weather. He'll just, you know, get a, a commercial airline. It's a little hop, skip, and a jump mm-hmm. from West Palm Beach and, and fly that way. So um, I want to reiterate that he knows where his place is. He mentioned that to me. And he just has a great time flying around the Bahamas yeah. and look, looking at what's on the ground. And, you know, just I think he got this seaplane so he could actually set it down and look at what he yeah. has seen from the air. Very cool. Absolutely. Very cool stuff. All right, that's all the time we have. I'm Ian Twombly. Our editor is Austin Hansen. And I'm David Tulis. Don't forget, you can find us at aopa.org slash hangertalk and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll see you, David. See you, Ian. Hangertalk from AOPA, your freedom to fly. <laughs>